Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. This is JRootRadio.com. We are here live in the studio a few days away from the holiday Pesach, Yud Bet Nisan. And we are preparing ourselves, Mazat Hashem, for this great, wonderful, holy holiday, especially the, of the Seder, which is Farim to speak very, very highly about. Mazat Hashem will try to get to it as well later on. Let's first give you the uh, address to listen and to send in your questions, jrootradio.com, jrootradio Pro app, phone number is 718-683-5858, and the text is 347-927-8398. As we announced, usually we'll take questions only at the end of the show, off the air. There is much to speak about, and we don't have time, I'm sorry, to take any questions on the air, but you could text in your questions, and uh, we'll try to point it out as we go throughout the a class. If whatever we don't get to by text, you could always email us halacha hour at gmail.com. This email goes directly to us. We'll be able to hopefully give you an answer and hopefully before Pesach, hopefully in time that you should know what to do also. We're not gonna send it two minutes before the the hug starts, don't worry. So the address is halacha H A L A C H A hour H O U R at gmail.com. We don't need to spell gmail. We all know it. Now, the halachot, there's much halachot in the holiday of Pesach. We tried to cover whatever we felt is most important. Obviously, we couldn't cover everything. Today's class, Berzat Hashem, we'll try to sum up and speak about the final points. We will begin first with some of the halachot of Pesach shopping. There are halachot of Pesach shopping. By time, by this time, I hope you really got all your Pesach shopping. And the main thing that you need to know is really just the laws of matzah, what you should buy, what you should not buy for Pesach. What kind of matzah? Every matzah, I'm not going to go in what's kasher, what's not kasher. If it has a kasher, there's obviously somebody who's selling you that's kasher. If you trust them, then you trust them. You don't trust them, then you don't trust them. Nobody can tell you, obviously everybody has his reason why they give a kasher to whatever they give. That's not the point over here of this class. Of what's kash- a good kashrut, it's not a good kashrut. That you ask your own rabbi. But for the night of the Seder, that means for us in America, the first two nights of Pesach, when we are making a Seder, we have an obligation from the Torah to eat matzah that night. Make sure that that matzah that you're eating for that night, when you have an obligation like in Motsi Matzah, or in the Afikoman, all the times that you have an obligation to eat the matzah, the matzah should be Handmade Matzah Shemura. Handmade Matzah Shemura. We have a video where we go through the whole Seder from the beginning till the end, showing exactly what to do in each step of the Seder. We have it in English and we have it in Arabic. You'll check it out on the website. And over there, we explain the reasons why you need handmade Matzah Shemura. We'll just tell, say it in short over here. Torah says, You have to guard the Matzot. How do you guard the Matzot? And what does it mean to guard the matzot? So there are two halakhot that come out from this pasuk. Number one is, they have to make sure you protect the ingredients that are being used to make the matzot that they shouldn't become hamits. And you have to be on a special watch to make sure they don't become hamits. When do you have to be on that special watch? When does it begin? Me'ikar haddin, it begins from really the time that you make it into dough. However, Shohan Ruch rules that you should have it, really, the halakha is... From the time that you grind the wheat and you make it into flour. But he concludes, he writes, but he writes, Tov, it's better to go with the opinions of the reef, and I believe the Rambam as well, 
that from the time that the wheat is harvested, you should make sure that it shouldn't get wet. This is what's known today in the market as Matzah Shemura. When you see Matzah Shemura written on boxes, it means from the time that they harvested the wheat, they made sure that the water should have come to it and it shouldn't become Hasashom Hametz. And that is a Shemira that is needed for the night of Pesach, of Pesach, the first time of Pesach when we're having the Seder. When we're eating that Matzah, that's an obligation. We have to make sure that it's protected. And like the Shohan Aruch says, from the time that it was harvested. That's known in the market as Matzah Shemura. The other halakha that we get from the Pasuk of Matzot is that you need to have kavana to be on guard that this Matzah is being used for the sake of a mitzvah. Like we would do when we're tying tzitzit. You have to have kavana that you're doing for the sake of a mitzvah. When you're writing a letter in Sefer Torah, you have to have kavana that you're doing for the sake of the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Same thing over here when we come to Lel Seder, the matzah that we eat, when it's made, we should have kavanah that was made for the sake of the mitzvah. Now, the halakha rules that you can't allow little children, children under the age of mitzvah, or goyim, or heres shote, those are you know people who don't qualify, or nahayab mitzvot, to be able to do the matzot because you need kavanah. Even if the Jew is watching the, the little child, the Jewish child, he's under bar mitzvah, he's 12 years old, and you have an adult standing by him telling him, have kavanah, that this is for the sake of a mitzvah, it doesn't work. That's a ruling of the Shohan Aruch from the Rashbah. So if that doesn't work, so how are you going to have a machine-made matzah? It's, the machine is not any better than the katan. And you're telling the machine, go ahead, you're pressing the button, and you're saying, okay, this is the shame, mitzvah, matzat mitzvah. So again, the machine can have kavanah. For that reason, many poskim rule, machines or machine-made matzah doesn't qualify for the mitzvah of matzah on the night of the Seder. You could have it throughout the holiday of Pesach, no problem. Because throughout the holiday of Pesach, you need to have matzah that's the hametz. And if you hold that machine-made matzah, is not a problem, hametz, no problem. But for that night, it's going to be a problem because it can have kavanah. Some hold, no, you could have kavanah with the machine because it's different over there. The child is doing it and the, the adult is commanding and that's why it doesn't work. But over here, the machine only works by your command as an adult. So you could have kavanah when you press in the button. But the ruling of the Sfaradi scheme and majority of scheme is that for the night of the Seder, make sure you have a handmade matzah shemurah and that's the round matzah. That's why you'll say according to all opinions. This is the only mitzvah that we eat this is it, Minha Torah. We don't have any mitzvah that we eat in our days except for the matzah and leila seder. So therefore, try to do it according to all the post scheme. Pay a little bit more money for it. Listen, people go out sometimes. There's a special, you know, times where you go out to a nice fancy restaurant. If it's an anniversary, a birthday, or you have a business meeting, you go out and you spend money. You would not spend for you know, for a piece of steak in your own house, you would not spend twenty, you know, two hundred dollars. Certainly not three hundred, three hundred fifty dollars per person, right? But you know, when it's special, you go and you spend. Tonight is special. You have a very special guest. Many guests are coming to your house. Not talking about your family. You have a kadosh baruch Hu, You have the malachim, as the Zohar says, they come to your house on Leila Seder. So it's worth it to invest. Put a few more dollars in honor of a kadosh baruch Hu, Get him something that fits according to all opinions. That's kasher according to opinions, and you can do the mitzvah according to all opinions, and buy yourself a handmade matzah shemara at least for the two nights of the seder. Next category of of uh, halachot that we're going to speak about are the halachot of erev pesach. Erev pesach means 
beginning from the night of the 14th. The night of the 15th is when we sit down for the Seder. The night of the 14th already, we have a lot of halakhot. And we'll begin first with the most important halakhot of Ere Pesach, which is really the night beforehand, and that is Bedikat Hametz. Bedikat Hametz is an obligation. It could possibly be Min HaTorah, but getting rid of the Hametz is a Mitzvah Min HaTorah. Torah says, Shiba'at Yamim Se'olo Yimatzeh Batechem, you cannot have seor, you cannot have, that means any hametz in your houses. Because whoever eats mahmets, whoever eats a mixture of hametz, gets the punishment of karet. Another pasuk says, You must get rid of this seor, must get rid of the hametz from your houses. The Gemara points out that there's a contradiction here. In one pasuk, you told me for seven days I'm not allowed to have hametz. The second pasuk says, On the first day you get rid of hametz. One second, but if you get rid of it on the first day, that means you already had it from the night before. Yom means daytime. But here the Pasuk says seven days. So how do you reconcile this? Is it that I have to get rid of it from before the seven days begin, which means from the night? Or is it that I have to get rid of it from the daytime? So the Gemara explains that this first day over here doesn't mean the first day of the holiday. But this is the first day what begins the Pesach celebrations, which is when we bring Korban Pesach. And that is Ere Pesach, Yudalit Nisan. According to the Torah, from Hatzot Hayom of Ere Pesach, we must already stop eating Hametz. From the time that we have to bring the Korban Pesach. As it says in the Pasuk, Pesach Bring the Korban Pesach, Don't eat any Hametz when you bring Korban Pesach. However, the Hachamim said that, you know, we know people, we know Jewish time, it doesn't work that way. You tell them a time, they're going to be always late. So therefore, we're going to make a Gezerah, we're going to make it earlier. An hour beforehand, which is the end of the fifth hour, you may or not have any benefit from it. You already have to have burnt it already. You know, according to the Torah, you can wait another hour. No, we're going to tell you from the end of the fifth hour, you must burn it already. And you must finish eating it even an hour before that, which is the end of the fourth hour. You must stop eating your hametz when the end of the fourth hour. So therefore, every household must be rid of the hametz from already the first day before the holiday comes. That's Midi'oraita. But how do we begin it? How do we begin the Mitzvah of Tashpito of destroying it? And the answer is, we have to get rid of it from beforehand. According to Halakha, really in the Torah, if I want to get rid of something, I can do it in a number of ways. One is take the item and throw it out. Make sure it's not existing in the world. The other way I could do is, is by releasing ownership from it. Declare the hefkir, it's not mine. Because remember, as we learned, the Isur of Hametz is when it's under Jewish ownership. If it's not under Jewish ownership, so that's it. I released my ownership from it. It's not mine anymore. So Bitul alone, if I nullify it alone, that should technically work. But, as the Hagami pointed out, it's not so easy. The guy is coming and he has thousands and thousands of, of imagine, thousands of, of uh, pounds of Hametz. And now he says, yeah, 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 this is not mine anymore. He knows nobody's coming to pick it up. I'm sure he, 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 you can't tell me he's taking it, he really means it seriously, it's not mine. So because of that, Hachamim said, it's not enough to just declare it ownerless, you have to search for the Hametz and get rid of it. And it's not enough to just search for the Hametz and get rid of it. You also have to declare it ownerless. Why? I searched for it, I looked for it, I got rid of it. Yeah, and answer is maybe you missed some spots. So that's where the Bedikat and Bitul come in. Bedikat Hametz means I have to search 
seek and destroy, search for hametz and get rid of it. And then I must do again, I must do betul and I must declare ownerless. I'm mafkir, I give up, I release my ownership from the hametz. That's the reasons of why we have bedikat hametz. When does the obligation begin? And the answer is from the night before. Why the night? You still have, you can eat the hametz the next day. And the answer is we want you to do bedikah when it's nighttime so you're able to see better by using a candle. A candle shines better at night. There's certain spots that you need a candle for. These are spots, let's say, translated in our days, like let's say behind uh, a bookcase where you could reach. In places that the regular light will not reach, you need to use a special light for it. So therefore, the takanaf and the hakamim is that you must begin already from the night before to look for the hametz to get rid of it. And that happens always the night before Pesach. You must look for the hametz. The only exception is, is when... Pesach has on Motzei Shabbat. So in that case, the night before is Friday night. Lel Shabbat, you can't do Bedikat Hametz. You'll have to do Bedikat Hametz that year on Thursday night. But almost always the night before is when we begin. And you must begin it from the beginning of the night. Once the night comes already, you go ahead and you search for the Hametz. How do you search for the Hametz? So the Halakha brings down that you must use a candle. You're not allowed to use a big flame because we're scared that you might put your house on fire. So you use a candle. But today we're scared that you might put you with the candle, you might put your house on fire. So therefore, you can use a flashlight. Almost all the post scheme agree that the car over here is you need light. So you can use a flashlight. You can use your flashlight on the back of your phone. You can use the regular flashlight that you buy from the store. You can use any light that you need. But you need a flashlight. It's not enough to just put on the electricity. You shouldn't shut off electricity because electricity is better. Ever try to go into your your kid's room when they're sleeping and you put on just the phone light? You're only limited to a certain spot that you see, but if you put on the light in the room, you see better. With the flashlight, you'll see even better than that. So therefore, keep the electricity on, use a flashlight, and look for the hamits. Ham ben Zion has a hadush and he says that it's not good enough to say, to just use a flashlight. You must use an actual candle. And he says, if you can use a flashlight, do bedikat hametz without a beracha. It's a big hadush. So therefore, to be yotze ol chito, this is what you do. Start with a candle. Make a beracha bedikat hametz on the candle. Start searching one of the rooms with a candle. And afterwards, switch to a flashlight. You did already one header according to halakha. You did already the beracha had what to rely on. You already basically used the halakha for the candle. Afterwards, you can switch over to a flashlight without a problem. Who's Hayab in the Bidika? The obligation falls on the owner of the Hametz, which is usually the owner of the house. That's the Baalabait, usually the father, whoever is in charge of the house over there. He's, uh, he has an obligation. <clears throat> and to make sure that the person keeps his obligation, Hachamim made a few restrictions that when the time comes, we don't want you to forget about the Bidika. Therefore, they made a few restrictions. Number one is you can't have a meal with bread half an hour before Bidika begins. Bidika begins at Seta Kochabim. Whenever you hold Seta Kochabim, whether you hold it 30 minutes after sunset, 40 minutes after sunset, or whatever you hold, <clears throat> half an hour before your Bidika begins, you cannot have any meal with bread. Bread meaning two ounces of bread. Less than that, you're allowed to eat. You're allowed to eat a small meal, also like rice and things, whatever that I have. <clears throat> also, you <clears throat> shouldn't get involved in any melachot. And to melacha means like laundry, melachot that take a long time to do, like sewing, stitching, building, these kind of melachot you shouldn't begin once the time comes to check your house for berikat hametz. 
Also, you shouldn't sit down to learn in your house when the time comes to, look, to check your, for your hamits. When the time comes, you shouldn't start learning. But if you're already learning from before and you got nimshach, you could finish up what you're learning. But shouldn't start learning because you have the obligation of doing bedigat hamits. This is only an obligation on the person who, I mean to say the restrictions of Saudah and Melacha, is only on the person who is the owner who has the obligation to do bedigat hamits. The kids who are off from Ben Azmanim, their home, or uh, you know, obviously, even the above, obviously above the age of bar mitzvah, or women don't have this obligation. The obligation is on the father. So if the father is coming home late, kids can have a meal, kids can learn. There is no problem because it's not their obligation; it's their father's obligation. However, although it's the obligation of the father, the father could appoint the children as shaliyah as long as they're above the age of bar mitzvah, or his wife could also be appointed to check the house to do bedikat hametz, and not only could he appoint them. They could also help him. They could assist him. In fact, it's recommended they assist him. This way, this doesn't become a burden on one person. They should stand next to the father when he's making the bracha of, of al-bi'ur hametz. And then they spread out to each part of the house, each one looking for the hametz. Rabotai, bedikat hametz is not a hide-and-go-seek game. You don't take 10 pieces, you put them in the house, and you go get the 10 pieces. It's not a game. You just go pick up the 10 pieces and you're done. Bedikat hametz has to be that you're searching, you're looking if there's hametz around. So you know your house, you know your kids, and you know what the house is pretty much what it's going to be. You know where might be hametz, and you know which areas are more the danger zone and which are less a danger zone. You know the kids' room behind the beds, and we spoke about where you have to clean. So although a lot of people do clean anyway before Pesach, they clean the house very well and everything. It's your responsibility as a mashgiyah, you, the owner of the house, you're going to be the mashgiyah to make sure there's nothing there. The way I like to put it is that, would you be ready if I would come to your house on the night or the next day, after and I'll tell you, listen, I'm going to look in your house. If I find a piece of hamets, you'll pay me $10,000. Are you ready to put such a bet on? Are you ready to put a bet that if I come and I hamets, I won't find hamets in your house? If you're ready, if you feel very confident, you're ready to pay me $10,000 that I will not find any hamets that you didn't find, then, okay, you can be confident you did good bedikat hametz. If you're not so comfortable, then it shows maybe you didn't do the proper bedikah. Now, this doesn't mean you have to drive yourself nuts and look in places that you can't reach, that are inaccessible. Like we said, under the freezer, which you're not going to move. Behind the oven, which you're not going to move. You don't have to look over there. You don't have to worry over there. Maybe something fell over there. You can just be batel, that's good enough. But still in places which are commonly used, a person has to be careful, has to look and search those spaces for hametz. I'll give you some examples, although we said in the, in the past, cars, school bags, children's school bags, children's jackets, uh, purses, uh, you know, women's purses and, and uh, pocketbooks, and also by the couches, you know, by the crevices of the couches where your hand can reach, plenty of hametz is over there. I've discovered that a few years. And of course, if you have little kids and you hide some snacks from them, if you haven't cleaned behind their beds, make sure you clean there. You'll find a lot of stacks of either hamets or used up hamets. But certainly, they uh, you could definitely find it over there. <clears throat> the places that you're planning to sell to a goy, that means let's say you're selling a room to a goy, that means you're putting the hamets in that closet and have to do bedikah on it. That's it, you close it off and you sell it off to the goy. Question is, do we need to do bedikah on books? And the answer is no. You don't need to do bedikat hametz on your books unless you're a person that puts food over there. 
<clears throat> what about the books that you usually use on the table when you do have hamid? The answer is, din, you don't have to. You want to do that hasidut, it's great. din, you don't have to do bidika on them. But what is, is recommended is that the books that you usually bring to the table where there is hamid, don't use them on Pesach. Try to avoid them on Pesach. Also, benchers should for sure be taken away, stored away with the hamid. Benchers definitely have a lot of hamid. You don't have to get rid of them because it's enough with bitul. You're just going to be batel it or you're going to sell that type of hamid to the goy. <clears throat> if you want to make your bedikat hamid easy, we already told you that you can have other people helping you. It can be family members or it can not be family members. It doesn't make a difference. But it has to be Jewish and above the age of bar mitzvah. There's there's an idea that's brought down the post scheme, is that as your wife or whoever is cleaning for you the house, as they're cleaning the house for you on Pesach and before Pesach, you could do bedikat hamets over there on those rooms, but you must leave over one room at least for the night before Pesach, during the time when we all do bedikat hamets to make a bracha on it. You cannot do bedikat hamets on the whole house and be exempt. You must do bedikat hamets that night with the bedikah at least on. One of the rooms. We do have a minhag, as it's brought down in Ramah, to take 10 pieces of bread and put them around. That bread should not be a kezait. Meaning to say, all the 10 pieces combined should not be a kezait. Also, recommended that you should put them in aluminum foil. This way, you don't have crumbs laying around. You know where the pieces are. You pick them up. Besides your regular bedika that you check for. After you did your bedikat hametz, then you do bitul. Bitul means you're nullifying, you're declaring whatever hametz you found that you, or not even you found it really, any hametz that you don't know about to be ownerless, this way it's not yours, and it's batel. That's what the idea of bitul, you have to understand what you're saying. If you don't understand what you're saying, make sure you say in the language that you understand, and there's plenty of haggadot that write what they write. That is your mitzvah bedikat hametz. Whatever hametz you need for the next day to eat, you put it in a separate area and you eat it. When do you eat it? You can eat it the next day until the last time they're allowed to eat hametz. But you're still not done with the mitzvah of tashbitu, of getting rid of your hametz. The following day, Erev Hag, you must go ahead and burn the hametz that you have. And you can really burn it from the beginning of the day. But... The latest time that you you have is at the end of the fifth halakhic hour. And that, of course, depends every year. It all depends on what time it is. But you could again, you can burn it anytime you want. When the, you come to the point that you're not going to use any hamits, that means to say, you're not eating any hamits. You're not going to put it in the closet to the go. You're not going to sell any more hamits. You're not going to give it away. You're not going to get any hana from the hamits. At any time before the late, the fifth hour, you could declare your hamits ownerless, you could do bitul, that's only after you burnt the hamids. Once we burn the hamids, then we do a final bitul, which is basically declaring any hamids that I know about or I don't know about, whether I saw it, I did not see it, should become hamid, it should become batel, it should become nullified, it's not mine, you release ownership from it, and with that you did the mitzvah of bedikat hamids. Quick, few quick halachot, few quick points regarding Bedikat Hametz very quickly. Number one is, you need to do Bedikat Hametz also in your office and in your store. How do you do that? So if it's, if you, the, you know, if Bedikat, you come, you're going to work, and after work you're coming home. So if you're staying at work till nighttime, you do Bedikat Hametz at work, and then you come home, and you do Bedikat Hametz in the house. If you're not 
if you're not going to be there in the night, so then you do Bidikat Hamitz, the last time you're going to be in your office or in your store. You need to do Bidikat Hamitz. If the Goyim are still continuing to eat the Hamitz in your store, it's not your Hamitz, it's their Hamitz, it's not a problem. So make sure that you, any Hamitz that you provide for them should not be yours. Give it away as a Matana or sell it. Cannot be used on Pesach. You have to get rid of that Hamitz. It should not be under your ownership. If you're traveling away, you're going away from your house, you're not going to be in your house on Pesach. If you're going anytime after Purim, so the halakha is as follows. If you're going away completely, completely, you're not coming back to your house, okay? So then, and you're going to somewhere else, you're going to a hotel, whatever it is. So then your house, you lock it up, you sell it to the goy, and wherever you're going to, you do berikat hametz over there with the beracha. If, however, you're coming back home during Pesach, so then being that you are using your house during Pesach, you must do berikat hametz on it on the night before Pesach, which is the 14th night of Nisan, or the last time that you're leaving from your house. Again, assuming that you're traveling after Purim like most people do. If you're going away from your house and not planning to come back, and the place where you're going, you have no chance to do Bedikat Hametz. You're a guest somewhere over there. They're not giving you a private room. So if you have a private room somewhere, you're going to your in-laws, you're going to your parents for Pesach, and your house is being locked up. So then that, that's what you do, your Bedikat Hametz in that room. But if you don't have a place to do Bedikat Hametz, wherever you're going to, because you don't have a private room, so in that case, then you must do Bedikat before you leave. In all the cases that you're doing Bedikat Hametz, before the 14th of Nisan, you cannot make a bracha. Bracha is only recited on the night of Bedikat Hametz, which is the night before Pesach, and that is on the 14th of Nisan. With that, we concluded the halakhot of Bedikat Hametz. Move on to other halakhot of Eid Pesach. Number two, the, or category number two of halakhot of Eid Pesach is Ta'anit Bechorot, the fast of the firstborns. This is a minhag that all the Jews that any firstborn, whether you're firstborn from your father or from your mother, you must fast Erev Pesach. Why? Different reasons are given. The most famous one is because Hashem did not kill the firstborns in Egypt. So therefore, we must, the firstborn should fast. The Minhag is, though, that although we must fast, women do not fast. Most people don't have a Minhag that women fast. Some people do have a Minhag that women fast, like... People who are, you know, from Mitzrayim. Egyptian Jews have a minhag. The Ishmael brings that that was a minhag also in Jerba. That people, women also fasted. Obviously, if a woman is pregnant and she is the firstborn, she's patur for fasting. Or she's nursing. Obviously, it's patur. But those who are healthy and they have a minhag that do ladies do fast, then the obligation is to fast. We do also have, we also have a custom that if you have a child who's a firstborn, that means a boy who's a firstborn, is a bechor, and he's under the age of bar mitzvah, then the father fasts in his place. And of course, most people do not fast at Pesach because there are ways that you can exempt yourself from the fast. And how could you do that? There are three different possibilities. And that is if all of them are saudat mitzvah, if you attend the saudat mitzvah, what's called the saudat mitzvah? A brit milah, pidyon habin, or the most common way, which is attending a siyum masichet. You should know by a siyum masichet, if you're attending a siyum masichet, which takes place in many shuls, you have to make sure you understand what the person, whoever is making the siyum, is saying. That means if he's talking in English and you speak, um, I don't know, 
Swahili or whatever it is, then you, you're not Yotzeh. You have to understand what he's saying and you must partake in the Sauda. Make sure you get yourself either three ounces of wine or you can probably have egg matzah over there, something of mezonot that you should be, that's considered your mishtatif in the Sauda. For the ladies who don't have the custom of fasting and they are also firstborn, Akhavadiyah says it's a nice, it's a good idea to take something from the Siyum to bring it home. But that only works for the ladies who anyway don't have the custom of fasting. But for the men who have the minhag of fasting or they have the obligation of fasting, you can't just sit home and get a cup of wine from the Siyum and be Yotzei Dehoba. You have to be actually physically there attending the Siyum and understand what's going on. Other halakhot for Ayat Pesach is that there's some restrictions on what we can eat on Ayat Pesach. Number one is matzah. It is asur to eat Ayat Pesach, excuse me, asur to eat on Ayat Pesach any matzah. What, that, what does that mean, any matzah? means any matzah that could qualify technically as a matzah to be eaten on the night of Pesach. That's plain water matzah. If you have a manhag of eating Egg matzah, like the Sfaradim do, they can eat egg matzah. But any plain matzah, you cannot eat it on a Pesach. Why? We want you to come the night of Pesach and eat the matzah with a te'avon, with an appetite. So, therefore, we restrict you from eating the matzah on a of Pesach. It begins from Alotas Shahar, although there are some opinions like the Ramban, as the Ben Yishai also brings down as well, that you should start from the night before a of Pesach, which means on Yudalit at night, to refrain from eating the matzah. But Ma'ikar din only begins from Eid Pesach. Some even have a minhag, that from Rosh Hashanah Nisan already, they don't eat matzah, so this way they come with appetite. Fine, but the Ma'ikar din is only Eid Pesach, that's a din. Children, that are under age of Bar Mitzvah, and they understand the whole story of Yetziat Misraim, also should not eat matzah on Eid Pesach. Cooked matzah, like we said, also matzah ashira, which is egg matzah, is mutar. One has to be careful from certain matzah that may be deceiving. Chocolate-covered matzah is really a regular matzah that's just covered with chocolate. That is regular hamotzi during Pesach, and that also cannot be eaten out of Pesach. It's not that you took a matzah and you put chocolate on it. It doesn't work. You could be yotze technically with it. Also, fried matzah is a problem, or anything made from matzah meal. Anything made from matzah meal is a problem also on Eid Pesach. Even matzah al hametz, matzah al hametz, what does that mean? That means they were not baked properly. Even though you're eating in the time that you're allowed to eat hametz, that still, since it's the same taste as a regular matzah, they cannot be in Eid Pesach. Some even have a minhag of not eating lettuce. It's a minhag only. It's not an obligation in din because in anticipation for the maror that's going to be in on the night of Pesach. Drinking wine is... Restricted Eid Pesach if you're only drinking a little bit of wine. But if you're having a lot of wine and you know you're not going to get drunk, then you can have it on Eid Pesach, although that's not recommended because a lot of wine will pretty much get you shikr. There's another halakha, and that is after Minha, which is Sha'asirit, a person even should refrain even from regular food that you're allowed to eat the whole day, like Matzah Ashira. And as Rama brings down, that person has to come into Lay Seder with an appetite. You're eating a lot of food that night, Rabotai. So make sure, even though you're allowed to eat rice and other things, don't overeat. Overeat means over here that you should come in hungry. We want you to come in hungry for the night of Seder because you have a lot of matzah to eat, a lot of things to eat. And of course, the food that you have to eat out of Shalom Bayit because you're eating by your parents or by your in-laws or because your wife is making it. So you have a lot of food to eat. Make sure you don't, even when you're allowed to eat like fruits and stuff, you don't overeat Come into the Leila Seder 
a little bit hungry with an appetite. Finally, the last halachot of Eid Pesach are the melachot of Eid Pesach. In general, we are not allowed to do melachot that we're not allowed to do on Holomoid on Eid Pesach. Let me give you some of the primary examples. You can do laundry, you can do building, you can do sewing. And even haircuts cannot be done on Eid Pesach from Hatzot and onwards. From the time of Hatzot and onwards, a person cannot do these melachot. Shaving, ironing, as Acham Etzion calls them, these are light melachot. Should, you should try to have them done at a Pesach before Hatzot. If a person couldn't, then you could do them even after Hatzot, shaving and uh, ironing. Also, small stitching. Let's say you want to put on a button, whatever, for something they need for the holiday, you could also do at a Pesach after Hatzot. If a person needs to take a haircut, then in that case... You should go to a non-Jewish barber, unless a Jewish barber is in the category of an Ani, and he needs the money for Pesach, then you could go to a Jewish barber. But otherwise, a regular barber, who you don't know as an Ani, then for him, you should avoid to go to him to get a haircut on Pesach after Hatzot. But before Hatzot, of course, all this is mutar. Finally, one more halakha about Ayr Pesach, and that is writing Hidushe Torah. You're allowed to write Hidushet Torah, as we find also the same halakha by Hul Mu'ad. Especially, especially, if you're writing for the night of Seder, which we recommend, by the way, uh, all those who are preparing what to say for Lil HaSeder, whether it's uh, boys that came back from yeshiva or men that want to, that take the mezvah the way they're supposed to be taken seriously, they're preparing what to say. You could write it also on Arif Pesach. And some people also have, want to write the schedule of what, is going to be the, you know, how they're going to perform, what everything they're going to do on that night, the times and everything else. That can be written. Things that are needed for the holiday or Hiddushet Torah that you're worried they're going to be lost. Even though it's a melacha, it's still permitted on Erev Pesach. Now, with the few minutes that we have left, I want to go on now to <clears throat> basically preparation for the Seder. As an introduction, I just want to mention that the word Seder or this whole uh, setup that we have on Lel Pesach organized is, is from the word Seder. This was something that some attribute to Rashi, some attribute to later on in the 1200s, whatever it may be. The lot of mitzvot that we find in Hazal, in the Gemara, in Mishnah, Masechet Pesachim, last Perek, of what we have to do on the night of Pesach, the, especially when we had a Beit HaMikdash. Now, even we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, look how many things are supposed to be happening. As one Israeli told me, how do you guys do it in America, they have two nights of Seder. How do you guys do this? And if you think about it, it's a lot. It is really a lot. So therefore, we need to have some sort of Seder, some sort of order. So this way we know what we need to do. We know what's coming up. We can anticipate what's coming up and we know how to go about it. So that's really a very important word, the word Seder, order. Without order and preparation of Botai for Lil Seder, no matter who's running the Seder, what's the ladies or what's the men, it's usually supposed to be the men, the men's responsibility, you should know. If you don't prepare yourself for that night, don't expect a successful Seder. Now, of course, successful is very relative. Some people, successful means that they had a good dinner, the Suhan Aurich was uh, tasty and delicious, gishmak. Okay, if that's what you call. So anyway, not doing anything. Your wives are doing everything else anyway. But if you would like to really feel the night as it's supposed to be, 
as is brought down in the Seferim, that a person literally comes out of his own Mitzarim. It's like a ger who converts. You mamash become a new Bria, a new creation on the night of Seder. It's like you're dipping in the mikveh. You become a whole new person. You want to at least get close to those levels. You need to prepare. And thus the word Seder, order. person must prepare. It's impossible with the, I see over here, 21 minutes left that we have, now I'm going to be able to tell you everything you need to know about the Seder. Baruch Hashem, we worked very, very hard in past years of organizing a video, a lot of editing, a lot of work of how to run a Seder. We have it online. Uh, I believe it's YouTube. I'm sorry to say, but uh, that's the only place I will host it. Anyway, and I, maybe the J website. You go over there and you search for the Seder. We have it in two languages, English and Arabic, as we mentioned in the past. This video is basically a mock seder. It's a long time, the video. Maybe you have to break it up over you know, the few days they have left till the holiday to watch it in intervals. But you are watching a full seder, every step, what needs to be done, the halachot that are required, the actual fulfillment of each step, and this way you know how to run the seder. Maybe this year is the first time that you're running a seder. Even if you're Ashkenazi, by the way. True, there are differences. Not a lot, but there are enough differences between Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. But still, you a lot of the halachot that are relevant for both Ashkenazim and Sfaradim are there. And you can get the full halachot over there. It's fully prepared with ingredients and everything you have to do. In these few minutes, we would like to discuss some of the things that we could do from now till then. And some small ideas that we could take with us in preparation for the night of Seder. Let's begin first with the mitzvot of the night. It's a night, it's a very special night that night of the Seder, you should know, is the same night in which Yitzhak Abinu was born. It's the same night when Yaakov went in to get the berachot from his father, Yitzhak, you know that time when he switched with the Isav? And it's a special night that where Yitzhak knew this moment is a special moment. Great blessings come on this night. It's the night when we became, we were born as a nation. This is all that same night. So there are many mitzvot. Even in Galut, we still have many mitzvot. Although some are derabanans, but there are enough also that are deoraita. The mitzvot mit deoraita on that night is first of all Kiddush. Kiddush, the Kadesh, the first step. It's deoraita, whether it's Yom Tov or Yom Tov and Shabbat as well. Depends on the year. The second mitzvah midoraita is Magid, which we hope to speak about a little bit longer later on. Third mitzvah is Matzah, eating Matzah. This, as we mentioned in the past, is the only mitzvah midoraita that we have in our days that we can eat. The mitzvah of eating, yeah, Baruch Hashem, we eat. All our holidays are full of food. And, okay, you're right, Yom Kippur. But besides Yom Kippur, we have plenty of food surrounding us and we have a mitzvah, but to have a command, to have an obligation with Deoraita, it's only on this night, on the first night of um, Pesach, eating specifically the matzah. We'll talk about the matzah later on as well, Bazat Hashem. Now, we also have three mitzvot de Rabbanan, amongst other things, of course. Um, I didn't count Berchat Hamazon, and of course, those are you know things that usually come together. But the mitzvot de Rabbanan are Drinking the four cups of wine. We'll discuss that also a little bit later. Eating the maro. The maro in our days is only banan, And the mezav heseba of reclining, which also, as I said, we get to. 
Now, let's tell you the ingredients that you need for Leil HaSeder. Shohan Orech is your department. Whatever your family likes, whatever kugel, whatever uh, type of rice you want to make, you know, enjoy. That's your department. I, I, I don't get involved in that. But in the ingredients as far as Halakha, there are four basic ingredients that we need throughout the night of the Seder. And we'll talk in depth a little bit later on in the following order. Wine, matzah, maror, and celery. Yeah, it's something small, but it's there also. Again, the four things are, number one is wine, number two is matzah, number three is maror, and finally, celery. Let's begin with wine. This list, I'm giving you now a list, three conditions of the best thing to use for wine, for the Arba Kosot. This is Lechat This is the way, you know, the top, the spitz. If we're going to talk about situations where you might find yourself that your Lechat will not be over here. If everything is ideal, if everything works out properly, then you should do the following. The three conditions that you need to look for in wine, number one is it should be the color, should be red. Number two, it should be alcoholic. Number three, it should not be mebushal, non-mebushal wine. These, if, it's, if you're allowed to be able, if the situation allows you to have them, those are the best things to be able to look for in wine when you're shopping for wine. Red, the color red, should be alcoholic and not mevushal. Size, how much you have to drink? Well, it really depends on the, uh, the size of Rebi'it. And Rebi'it is a mahloka between Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. So we just rounded up the number. I'm not going to tell you 2.478. You know, I'm not going to give you those numbers to confuse you. For Sfaradim, it's around 3 ounces. For Ashkenazim, a little bit around 5 ounces. But Sfaradi wants to be Mahmila, like Ashkenazi. Okay, good. You want to be Yotzei Dehba. All the shit taught, Adam Zofer and Nahazon is great. But for Ashkenazi to be lenient like Sfaradi, it is not recommended, Rabotai. You shouldn't do it. You're not allowed to do it. Your minhag is to do a higher size. And if you believe your size is well, so you got to speak to your rub. Next, the cups where you're going to place the arbak or so, where you're going to place the wine. The same cup can be used for all four uh, cups, mean to say the, the utensil. And what you should look for in the utensil is, first of all, the size has to be the minimum size of what you have to drink. It means Faradiyah has to be at least three ounces, for Ashkenazi, five ounces. You can't go smaller than that. Even if you refill it again and again, let's say, for example, you want to get a two-ounce cup and refill it twice. It doesn't work. You have to have the size already minimum. Also, although it's a minimum, it's not a good idea to get a larger cup, which is most uh, cups are standard, you know, the regular Bechers or the uh, Kiddush cups are around maybe seven, eight ounces. If you're not planning to drink the entire cup or the majority of that cup, it is not a good idea to get such a large cup. And Kava Homer should not use a koshal Eliyahu for you know that huge, humongous cup for one of the Arba, as the Arba Kosot, because you're putting yourself in a big problem amongst the post scheme. Next, avoid in cups also another condition: avoid cheap disposables. I'm emphasizing cheap disposables. Mean to say, there are some disposables that are not cheap that can be used over and over again. Those are fine. You know, the ones that you find some of these stores and the Jewish stores, they look like a Kiddush cup, but they're made out of plastic. They're meant to use for that night and then you throw them out. Some people even keep them. It's fine. They're really nicer disposable. It's not meant to be a one-time use. Also, so that's how we said it's cheap disposables. The best type is to get it glass or silver. 
in that order. Kabbalistically now, every time you use the cup for one of the Arba Kosot, you should wash it inside and outside. This is Kabbalistically. However, according to those who don't want to put on a hood and uh, be mekubal, they just want to do a pshat. Once you wash it from the beginning and it's clean from the beginning, it's fine. You could use the same cup again and again. In fact, you could even refill the cup of wine. There's still some left over. You could refill it again and again. That's all okay. Again, in the video, we'll explain much more. We're, you know, because of time, we're rushing a little bit and we're just giving a heads up for a few things. Now, practically speaking, when it comes to your own private table, this is what we said is all ideal. This is what you're supposed to look for. But practically speaking, you know, you can find yourself in situations where to do the kathilah might be to your detriment. Let's give you the, in a few examples. Number one, we said that the wine should be alcoholic. Now, this will not work out if you're a recovering alcoholic. I'm not, I'm not joking at all, by the way. A person who's a recovering alcoholic should not use alcoholic wine. He should use only grape juice. A person who has to be on medicine, let's say, poor guy, he's, uh, you know, he's on antibiotics, he's not supposed to mix alcohol, so use grape juice. For you, grape juice is lechat don't worry. Another example is, and this I've heard from great people, and it means big post scheme, and that is that although Maran writes a person has to push himself to drink wine if it even hurts him, however, this is because grape juice was not really available those days, at least the way we have it as we have it today. Grape juice today, according to many post is fine. The reason why we tell you to take wine is to be covered according to some Rishonim who have a higher standard of wine is supposed to be. We don't hold like them lehalacha. That means we don't hold according to those stringencies lehalacha. So therefore, even to take grape juice, according to Maran, that's fine also. To take grape juice is also fine even if it's not alcoholic. You know when it will be a problem or it could be a problem? If you're, if the alcohol is going to bother you, what does that mean? Keep in mind, either Pesach people are hungry. They're not eating much. There's not much to really to eat on purpose. You're not supposed to eat so much, as we just explained before. So you're coming to the Seder, and right, the first thing we give you is a cup of wine, and boom, you know, and it hits you like, uh, wow. You know, like somebody just knocked you with a baseball bat over your head, and your head is spinning. So what's going to happen now? You can be very edgy. You have no patience for anybody. Okay, okay. How many kids already managed to now? Let's go, let's go. Come on. We got to get, oh, come on, let's get to the matzah. Of course, you're a tzaddik. You don't want to say, let's get to Shohan Orech. But you know, after Shohan Orech, it's going to be the matzah. So let's get to the matzah, right? So you're going to miss out the whole magid. You're going to miss out the whole, you know, being into it and getting everybody into it. And we all know a sour face makes everybody fat. If you're spoiled, we make everybody spoiled around you. We know how it is. So therefore, maybe it's not such a good idea to have wine at that cost. So, I don't know who's drinking, who's not drinking, so you have to know. You have to be smart. Leaders who are pregnant are not supposed to have alcohol. Don't have alcohol. You basically, use your common sense. Use sechel. Maybe the second night might be easier. Maybe the second night after you already ate from the first night of Pesach. Then you ate the day, the Yom Tov meal. And if it's Shabbos, you're having Yishalos Sodas. You're having Sardash Shalishit. Second night might be easy to have wine. So you have to use sechel, basically. If wine is going to harm you, it's not going to be so good for you. You're going to be knocked out you're tired from work and everything else, so then have grape juice, at least for the first couple of cups, and then later on after you ate, maybe you'll have wine. Basically, use your sechel. Number two, we said it should be not mevushal. We say this all the time. If you have guests that are mehalel shabbat beferhesia, where Maran calls them 
um, uh, they have the din of akum, and therefore if they touch your wine and they pour from the bottle, it's going to make it yain nesich. Don't put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. I've seen in my own eyes, it gets very uncomfortable when people are like that around, and yeah, you, you try not to let them touch the wine and not to use the bottle, and then unfortunately ends up being people getting embarrassed, and we can't avoid it. We have to invite these guests, and hopefully they'll get closer to Hashem, especially in the night of Seder is the time for really the opportunity to speak about fundamentals of Judaism. So they're going to be there. If they're going to be there, therefore make sure you get yourself mevushal wine. Oh, it's not a chathila. For your situation, it is a chathila. If you're sitting in a seder where you don't have such a problem, okay, so get non-mevushal wine. Also, we said the cups. Cups should not be disposable. So you got to be smart also with this. Yes, preferable to use glass. But if you know your kids are going to break in, you're going to have such a fit and you're going to be enraged. So then it's not worth it. Either get them some very hard glass or buy a few cups for 99 cents each and brace yourself. Expect that it's going to be broken. Get the broom and dustpan ready. That's going to break. Or get them those plastic cups. You have to know, again, use your seichel. Where it's like a where, you know, you could do it, do it. If you cannot, okay, so you can't do it. You go to whatever is lechatila in your situation. Next, matzah. We've said this in the past class. Handmade shmura matzah. That's it. For that night, for the mitzvah of the three or four or five kizetot that you're going to have, handmade shmura matzah. No, don't bargain. Don't sit there with your thumbs and make lambdas. Handmade matzah shmura botai. And you'll be good. Yeah, a little bit more money. But like we said, imagine you have guests coming to your house. It's a special dinner, right, that you're making for them. Also, in order that the seder should not schlep, it should not be draggy, you, whoever is hosting, should also prepare, preferably prepare all the kezetot. You pretty much have to prepare three to five kezetot per person, minimum three, and those who, you know, there's always those guys that like to be extra from. And by the way, extra from, has for shalom, knocking them. I, I do the same. You should have five kezetot for those people that want to be mehadrin to be able to do the mitzvah, you know, the mitzvah properly. Five kezetot for them. Prepare each kezait in a bag. Whatever you hold kezait is, Sfaradi, Ashkenazi, whatever it is, hard or soft matzah, you'll see that on the video what the shiurim are, what the measurements are. But prepare from beforehand in Especially by matzah, I sit there to break and did I get enough, did not get enough? Prepare it all beforehand to avoid any schlepping. Maror. Again, different um, <clears throat> different minhagim of what to use for maror. Lechatila, it's supposed to be lettuce. Ashkenazim have a minhag, they use chrein. Okay. But for the Sfaradim, even though those who use endives, really lechatila, being that maran and kabbalah, that Riza also writes, that lettuce, what we call hasa, chasse which is romaine lettuce, that is the preferred vegetable to use for maror. Yes, even though on the ka'ara you'll have a place for hazeret and maror, and it'll look the same, yes, let's put lettuce in both places. But because you're using lettuce, there are a lot of bugs, and the regular lettuce is a lot of bugs, unless they're grown in a special place with a special hechshir, and it's worth it. Instead of, you know, especially if you're having a lot of people, the work is not worth it. If you want to avoid the work of cleaning, so what you could do is you could rip off the leaves and use the stalks. You know that white part in the middle of the romaine lettuce? That could also be used. You don't have to use the leaves. You could also use that. But again, you need a kezait of whatever you're having. You need two kezitot per person. And you should also prepare 
Each gazayit in a bag. One for you're going to eat it by the maror, and one you're going to eat it together with the korech. And finally, celery. There's not much to talk about, but it's one of the ingredients. Just make sure when you're having the celery, you're going to make adama to have in mind the maror that you're planning to eat later on, and do not eat in the celery, and that means when you have to dip it in the uh, salt water, don't eat even close to a kezayit. You're going to put yourself in a major mahlokit. Not worth it. Not that just not worth it. Don't do it. And therefore, just have a small piece of celery. Now, I'm rushing a little bit with the few minutes I have. We want to get to next subjects that we want to speak about, and that is reclining. How to recline. How to do hesibah. The way to recline a botai is, whether you're righty or lefty, recline to your left. Lean to the left. I, it has to be also comfortable. You know, somebody pointed this out. So safe that pointed this out, which is pashut. The whole idea of reclining is to show that this is derech herut, freedom. Although we don't eat that way today, right? But it's still a sign of freedom. And if you recline in a way that's so uncomfortable and your back is hurting, and so you're obviously not doing it right. As we reclining, you know, for those, I'm sure you have relatives that watch TV and they could tell you. When they sit there to watch TV and they recline and they have the remote, nothing can move them. That's hisibah. You got to do the same for Lil Seder. True, a lot of people, it's very hard. So if you have an armrest, so you lean on your armrest. And I saw a hadush, uh, somebody uh, brought in the name of Belsky, Baribia, that is. He brought in the name of Belsky that you should have the right leg folded over um, the, your left leg. Hadush, I don't know why you have to have that, but in any case, you should be comfortable leaning to your left when you're drinking the four cups of wine and when you're eating the matzah. You don't have to recline and you shouldn't recline by maror, but both by wine and matzah, you should recline. Berchat also, you're not allowed to recline in Berchat Finally, we're up to the Magid with a few minutes. Let me just tell you, the Mizvah of Magid is the highlight of the whole night. The Mizvah of Magid is what all the children are looking forward to. The Mizvah of Magid is what you should be looking forward to. It's a mitzvah mit oraita, and it's one of the fundamentals of our religion. Torah says, as we say in the Haggadah. It's a mitzvah when we have the matzan maror displayed in front of us on the table, that we should speak about the story of the Exodus where Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And the pirushim, there's so much pirushim on the Haggadah. You have to be wise and figure out who your audience is, who you're talking to, and what your role is. Again, who you're talking to and what your role is. Meaning to say, if the people in by your crowd are people, a lot of them are people who don't have such a great Torah knowledge, so don't sit there giving them lumdis, pilpulim, that they'll be lost. Don't give them gematriot if they're people that are not good at math. Don't give them things that are, you know, you're going to lose the main point. They're children don't confuse them with all the lambdas that you have. It's nice between you and your chaverim. And what I used to do when I was younger is that I didn't get to say all the things I wanted to say on the night of Seder because whether by choice or not, you know, we didn't have the ability to say it. You know, you, know, you, you, you have older people, younger people, and they, they're all rushing, and some of them are rushing. And even when I had the opportunity, I, can't, I couldn't say everything that I learned in yeshiva. There's some deep stuff. So what we did is the next day I got together with a few guys from Yeshiva and we went around. We wanted to share the Devet Torah that we all found uh, or we heard Hiddushi. Maybe you heard something nice from a cousin or something on the night before. We sat the next day and we shared out the Devet Torah. And we went around each part of the Haggadah and each person said what he knew about on it. It was nice. It was very nice. 
If you could do that at the end of the Seder, after Nurtzah, everybody get together and do that for the rest of the night, it's great. Fantastic. Unbelievable. As Zohar says, yes, Hashem is there and listening to you. But at the time when you're going with Magid, where you have the audience in front of you, whether it's ladies, younger people, older people, you have to be smart. You have to speak to their level. As Agadah tells us, you have to know how to speak to each person. Use your And also know your role. Know your role means to say, if you're the one who's running the show and everybody, all eyes are on you, could be you're not the Balbait, but you're that, you know, that person that all eyes are on you and they're waiting for you to make the next move. Okay, so you could take a much more active role and you could dictate it as you like. But if you're not, if there are other people are running the show, especially you're not the Balabayit, you're just a guest, know your role, even though you may know better, and maybe you do, but your role right now is not going to be appreciated. You can't stuff people. You know, there's a mezvah of eating afikoman, and you have to eat it when you're full. But there's an isur to eat afikoman when a person is overfull. That's called achila gasa. Rabotai, there's also in Magid a form of achila gasa. Don't stuff people with the Vray Torah that they're not interested to hear. If they want to move, okay, you got to be smart, you got to be wise, how to use it, how to do it. Not that you just fly through it and not say anything. Of course you have to say. But don't make an Akhila Gesa that you have to stuff the Vray Torah down people's um, you know, ears and they're not interested in hearing it. Be wise. Fortunately, we're out of time. I will give you one last very, very important good advice. Make sure on Eid of Pesach to take a nap. Make sure to take a nap. A nap saves us from a lot. It will help us tremendously to avoid a lot of problems. We will be more happy, more comfortable. The wine won't bother us as much. The break, the, the, the wine spilling on the table won't bother us as much. Make sure you take a nap. Make sure you relax. And this way, and anticipate problems. And hopefully, as at the same, you'll enjoy the seder. And again, keep in mind, Seder's order and organization. I wish we had more time to speak about it, but we have to stop here. We want to wish everybody a hag kasher v'sameach. Hashem should bless and give a special berachat to all the ladies that prepared for this holiday. I want to give a special berachat to and, and, and uh, thank you to my wife for, for all that she does. I hope she's listening. And I'm sure every man feels the same. And if you do feel the same, buy something special for your wife. And we want to give a special thank you to J Radio for all of their wonderful, wonderful work that they do. And Baruch Hashem, every holiday as we go and we prepare for it, we, we see all the things out there that we need for, to prepare. We want to thank them. Of Nisim, who's behind the whole thing, and Iran, of course, the uh, technician who's behind the scenes. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful Hag Sameach, a wonderful week. And if you'd like to call in with any questions, 718-683-5858. We'll see you guys at the shame after Pesach.